Hello and welcome to Personal Threads. Today's guest is Daisy Lowe, model and personality who has always pushed the boundaries and reimagined what it means to be a female in the fashion industry. Turning the one-size-fits-all stereotype on its head and with a commitment to body positivity, Daisy has always promoted a healthy lifestyle and inspired many others to do the same. Her career spans 15 years, having starred in major campaigns for designers including Louis Vuitton, Marc Jacobs and Chanel. She has been shot by some of the biggest names in fashion, including Stephen Mysell, Greg Williams and Stephen Klein, to name just a few. Editorially, Daisy's career has a huge global reach, appearing in British Vogue, Italian Vogue, Dazed, ID and the infamous Pirelli calendar. In 2016, she took to the dance floor in Strictly Come Dancing, much to the nation's enjoyment. What a star. And Daisy also hosts her own podcast, Femme, in which she discusses all things female, inviting celebrity friends and heroes to talk about fashion, family, news and nonsense, culture and curves. Hello, Daisy. Hi, Scott. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, so lovely to have you here. And we have your beautiful baby, your brand new baby My here as well. Baby, little Ivy. Yes, she's here with us. <laughs> just fresh on the boob. Fresh on the boob. We were just about to start the podcast and actually Ivy was like, I'm a little bit hungry. I'm hungry. We were like, let's do this. Fair enough. I'm so looking forward to this because your career has been so exciting and so varied. And as we were speaking about earlier, I think you have that really intrinsic understanding of your own personal style and what works for you? Well, I think there was lots of um, faux pas along the way so that I could really work it out. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. How we get to our own kind How of decision about what works for us. Yeah, exactly. So if we go right back to the beginning, because I know I was doing a little bit of reading, you were sort of born in Westminster and then you were sort of living within that kind of Primrose Hill Primrose kind Hill. of madness yeah. in the 90s. And so like, just give us a little bit of a flavour of how that time felt. Well, my mum's just super creative. So we just had so much fun. You know, when I was growing up in Primrose Hill, we were like listening to loads of Britpop indie bands and she taught me how to mosh from a very young age and <laughs> um, and she always dressed me in amazing outfits that looking back, I'm like, God, I wish I could have that now. Wow. Um, you know, incredible lace dresses and cool leather jackets and cool Doc Martens and all of that sort of stuff. And that's um, from a really super young age? Oh, that was from like, you know, fresh out the womb pretty right. much. You know, <laughs> um, ready to go. Yeah, exactly. Um, the wildness of living through the 90s with her in Primrose Hill was obviously hugely influential on my existence. So there were lots of people around, I guess, oh, from a yeah. kind of music scene, fashion scene, movie scene, like, you know, that's sort of the kind of mecca for a young person stepping in from a style perspective mm. of like what you would take from that yeah. subconsciously, probably not even at the time really realised you didn't no. know any different. I had, exactly. I didn't know any different. All that I knew is that mum always had loads of really cool kind of actors and models, people in the fashion industry come over and she would get me to dance around for them. And she taught <laughs> me that laughter did. was a form of applause. So I thought that I was being really brilliant, but actually they were just pissing themselves, laughing at me. Um, and like later in life, I was like, oh, hang on. There we go. We got a burp in there, Bubba. That's <laughs> Sorry. good. We need <laughs> like, the burp. Yeah, we need the burp. Ready? Hi, Ivy Love. Oh, bless oh, you. This oh, is so scene. unique having you as a special guest on my podcast, <laughs> so Personal sorry. Threads. We can talk about her personal style as well. <laughs> yeah, Looking so stylish in her sort of dusky pink baby suit here. <laughs> Thinking about those people who were around, is there anything sort of that dials up in regards to their visual aesthetic, especially from that, I guess, London, Primrose Hill, that time in the 90s, that sort of I mean, like rock chick? Rock right? chick. I, my 
hero at that age was um, Justine Frischman from Elastica. And I remember going to Top of the Pops and hanging out with her backstage and was just like, she is the coolest. You know, just in like cool white T-shirt and a lovely pair of you know ripped up jeans yeah like she's just so punky she's got so it going cool. on yeah and like i just want to be like her um when i grow up you know and i didn't think about how insane that was to be able to be around her. and i remember at seven being taken to thought park by damon albarn and just being madly in love with him obviously of age seven, course. just thinking you're just the coolest person on the, the planet coolest person. and he bought me a necklace with a d on it um and he just said that D's the best letter in the alphabet. And I was like, it really is. It really, <laughs> this really works is. both ways. Yeah, exactly. This is brilliant. I've got a memory, actually, of interviewing you, which is a good while ago. I think I looked at it and it was like the 2012 British Fashion Awards. And I asked you the question, like, you know, when you were younger, like, you know, who did you want to be? And you turned around and went, I think I actually just wanted to be Justin Timberlake's girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> and much to my mum's dismay. I mean, that was like my way of rebelling because I was also obsessed with the Spice Girls. And my mum was like, can't you just be into like indie music and why don't you want to listen to really cool people? So like that kind of Justin thing, I mean, I guess you look at the 90s and Britney and that kind of double denim and the kind of, you know, real American, yeah. like LA kind yeah. of aesthetic. So were you kind of tiptoeing a bit into that oh, as well? Oh, big time. And then I think for a while my mum called me Dayglow because I really loved J-Lo. <laughs> so I was in like Juicy Couture tracksuits and big hoop earrings and obviously it was I was obsessed with it, but it was my mum's worst nightmare. She was very funny and she she was over the moon when I I met wonderful Peaches Geldof on a fashion shoot. I was 14 and I remember making really good friends with her and her coming to hang out. My mum was just like, oh, finally, you've got a really cool friend who's got really cool style and listens to the White Stripes. And, you know, like, thank God. And she's got really cool, great taste. And and so, she, yeah, Peaches was my um, my mum's favourite and actually, it was like, oh, yeah, maybe I need a bit more of this. So actually, Peaches was a massive influence as a teenager. Yeah, beautiful Peaches. She just had the best style, didn't she? And when you were modelling, like you were sort of, you know, started really young, you know. So talk to me a little bit about that sort of, you know, when you look at the early modelling days, like it was sort of starting around 14. Yeah, 14 was, I mean, 12... 12 was one of my first shoots, yeah, and then 14. But do you know what? It didn't feel... Just felt normal because everyone around us was in, within the industry, and so it didn't feel strange or yeah. you know or even cool. It was like, oh yeah, this is normal. My first and only kind of proper job as a teenager was I was an agent provocateur shop girl. Oh really? Yeah, that was my only real job. Wow! <laughs> and what age was I that? I was fourteen when I started, but I was up in the stock room. Okay. Because lovely Joe and Serena were family friends and I just needed I wanted to earn my own money yeah. and they were like yeah come and work here working at Agent Provocateur in the shop with all of those amazing women that was such a huge part of my kind of style evolution was being mm -hmm. around these incredibly strong passionate women mm -hmm. really fiery and mm -hmm. you know was Sarah Shotton who's the creative director of Agent Provocateur she was in and out all the time and she was really warm really kind but so cool and had big boobs and was like really owned it and and that probably made you also feel really held by oh, the completely. by them or in regards to the sort of industry of fashion and how sometimes it can feel quite sort of un sort of safe sometimes for somebody who's so young to actually feel young the introduction 
yeah. and then really curvy. You yeah. know, I kind of at fourteen, my breasts just arrived, and that they were there, and it was <laughs> Hello, it was please. intense. Yeah, and so being around all of those women was yeah was just. Oh, it it just made me feel so excited, mm-hmm. actually, about being a woman mm-hmm. and having shaped to me, and in a way that I definitely would have never felt had I not have been around them. You know, it's like the I worked with Paloma Faith; she was one of the shop girls, and Alice, um, lovely Alice Hawkins, photographer. She was another fantastic shop girl. There was so many incredible women, um, and. Um, they would all just like talk about their lives, and it was very. I just, it was just really funny coming here this morning because I was like, "Oh my goodness, this is my first job back as a mum," and which kind of feels like my very first pleased job to have ever. you. Oh, it's a joy, um, and um, can't really call it a job. It's a lovely chat, it's but I was thinking chat. it was my first ever job coming to this very same street, yeah. uh, and it just felt very apt. Yeah. Absolutely. How lovely. And I guess as well, like kind of then you going into the fashion industry on the back of like the huge success of all the Agile Provocateur stuff, then kind of like realising, is this the right scene for me? Like, Mm. you know, do I really have a place within runway and editorial? And, you know, so how did you then segue into that kind of proper, you know, agent model going to, you know, castings, you know, working with designers, doing runway? Like, how did that all start to evolve? So I'd done bits and bobs from family friends asking me to do little bits and then in Camden Market Sarah Leon wonderful Sarah Leon found me and asked if I wanted to go independently having seen other things that you'd done yeah independently wow and so then I came in and they signed me straight away how old were you at that point 15 Oh, right. Okay, yeah. so still super and young. Still super young. And so for the next couple of years, I just did bits and bobs, but I was still working at the shop, at the Agent Provocateur shop, so I could, you know, take myself to the cinema, not have to ask mum for any quid. <laughs> and, um, and what, I mean, it, I kind of would do little bits, little, little bits. And then at 17, I went over to New York to go and do castings and I met Stephen Klein and that was what kind of set it all off. And I think, honestly, I had no idea what I was doing. I just went in there and just chatted to him about David Bowie and the Smiths and he took a chance on me. So how did that relationship start to play out then? So obviously then he was shooting for different editorial or different designers and then he would bring you in. And then he just brought me in and he was just really kind and really calm and I I just loved being around him. His creativity, his mind is... And how would he shoot? Like, you know, obviously over the years I've looked at various different sort of, you know, big key kind of, you know, photographers and how they work with their talent mm. and make it feel a very safe space. So who? how does he work? So my very first job, I was there from sort of six in the morning and had all, I think we had Madonna's makeup artist do it and it was all like really intense makeup and hair looks and we did it all day until 6pm. And it got to 6pm and it just wasn't working and I knew it wasn't working mm-hmm. and it was uncomfortable. When I was 17, it was so uncomfortable. It was like, oh God, but this is such a big moment and it's for Italian Vogue and it's a one-girl story and oh, oh my, my God, God. And the pressure. And he just turned around and said, I preferred you the way that you looked when you first walked in. Do you want to go and have a shower? And, and start again. And start again. And we did the whole thing in under two hours. Wow. And just like, it was just like bang. And once we got onto a rhythm, it was bloody amazing. And... And he was really gentle about it. It wasn't, 
forced at all but it was just so lovely because I was like oh I feel like myself and I can just go for it and we just really played it works both ways doesn't it you know you have to feel that you're giving them what they need and then that kind of permission to play and have Mm. fun so when did you start to realize that you had a certain ingredient that could work on camera that actually you got this sort of daisy magic. I mean, your career's been really extensive. I know, but I still don't know if I really know yeah, But there absolutely is. It's a playfulness. It's a kind of self-love expression and anecdote. It's a, it's a real sort of sassy, cool, sexy, kind of in control of my own story. You know, well, it's powerful. I, I think that what really always helped me was music. As mm. soon as I had a good playlist on and I could dance around, then mm-hmm. that that was my magic. Mm-hmm. That was always like, okay, now I can just go and be free. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, then it, it did get me into a little bit of trouble with Esquire, with Greg Williams. But, <laughs> <laughs> but What then, happened there? Well, Esquire asked me to do this cover shoot mm. and um, I got on set and I'd never met Greg before that day. And I got on set and he said, have you got any friends that have any songs that we can get you to dance to and I was like oh actually one of my really good mates has just done this solo project and he's just sent me this track and I've been dancing around to it it's brilliant it's called Tiger and I was like he's it's in LA so I don't know if he'll let us I don't know if we'll get clearance but I mean we can try and so I spent the whole day just dancing around to it in my knickers (laughs) and I got home, you know, went to bed, woke up the next morning and it felt like I'd had this really like sordid night out. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, I, I, I did that totally stone cold sober. And <laughs> and it was just the kind of music that took over. And um, and then Dave, Dave Sitek very kindly said that we could use the song. Amazing. And and then it just went viral. It went up and it had like nine million views in the first couple of weeks. And it was that was just insane. And, and so it, you hadn't actually historically before that had that kind of level of exposure no like and it was suddenly... no, I mean I'd, look, I'd, at that point I'd been on the cover of ID a few times and I'd I'd done I was on the I did the cover of British Fight. I'd done I'd done my covers but I think moving image wise no and that that internet thing hadn't happened quite kicked in yes. yeah and then that definitely did and that changed everything did that it did in lots change of ways everything. I mean after that I shot Playboy it was supposed to be French Playboy just a story and then American Playboy said, can we buy four pages of it? I was like, yeah, my God, amazing. Yes, please. And then I ended up on the cover of both of them from that shoot. And it was like, oh, my God, what the hell? I mean, bucket What was list. that doing to self at the time, though? Is that really kind of massively affirming from a confidence perspective and feeling like this is my niche or this is my this is my place at the table? No, it was it, actually at the time I didn't think about the full exposure. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, And it's so iconic and, and what it means, you know. Yes. And then I was actually I think it even at that point I was like oh maybe now I can take a bit of time out actually I was like okay like that's (laughs) the most exposed I'll ever be let's take a little bit of time for myself and I went and did some acting training after that right just had and bought my first place and was like okay I think I've got to figure this out and like go back into Mm -hmm. me for a bit because it Mm -hmm. actually was quite a lot I bet it was yeah. at the age of 21 or whatever, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, it something came out, global. I think that was 22, yeah. Just and then Pirelli calendars Pirelli, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, when that did that... was wild. That was when I was 20. Right. Yeah, that that was amazing, though. That was such a, like, just dream job. We just went away for a week with loads of incredible supermodels and just played around in our knickers for a week <laughs> in Brazil. It was like, like happy the days. dream. I mean, Playboy and Pirelli were the two things that I was desperate to do in my career. Wow. And that was like 
and then I, I did that. I was like, okay, that they're, they're done. What next? <laughs> well, and, what, and what was next? Because I know, obviously, you look back and you think, like, you know, from your profile at that time, you know, working around with, you know, Vivian Westwood yeah. and doing stuff with Carl Lagerfeld yeah. and Chanel. And so give me a bit of that kind of, you know, texture of how yeah. that all played out. I mean, Chanel was always, that was another bucket list thing of, like, in my career, I wanted to work with Chanel. I wanted to work with Vivian Westwood. And they were, I mean, the reason why I think I fell in love with fashion was playing in my mum's wardrobe and trying to work out how to wear mm -hmm. Vivian Westwood clothes. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I loved that they they felt they had that playfulness. Mm -hmm. And it was always a game, but it always had a conscience as mm -hmm. well. And mm -hmm. um, and real craftsmanship, mm. and craftswomanship. Yes. You know, and but then obviously you're gravitating towards that type of player in regards to the design industry, be it a Vivian, be it a Carl, that also really have a strong visual aesthetic. They really oh, yeah. understand their own power of mm -hmm. their profile or what, you know, what they represent visually. Yeah. When I got to work with Chanel, honestly, it was, I've never been more terrified. Like I, I wasn't present in it at all. And it's a real shame because being dressed and kind of pinned by Carl. By Carl himself. Yeah. I, but I couldn't kind of compute it and actually out-of-body experience. It, yeah, and it was it was all a bit too much. And actually, it got to walking in the show, and if you ever get to unearth those historic pictures, I just look terrified. <laughs> you can see in the picture, I'm just doing this. And I just... And, it's, and, it's, and it makes me really sad for that 19-year-old me because I just think, my goodness, you deserve to just enjoy it. And I, and I think particularly for Chanel, I was like, oh, no, am I, I feel like I'm too curvy and I shouldn't be here. But I was there. And actually, you were there? I was there. And, I, and Carl I, loved you. I, I hope so. I don't know. Of course was, he did. You were cast. I wouldn't, you have, know, I wouldn't have done it otherwise. I worked with him and his attention to detail, like every single part of that would have been very deliberate, yeah. you know. The fashion scene at the time, you know, just from a body positivity perspective, mm. because, you know, it's coming on leaps and bounds, but oh, we've taken really a long time to get a there. A long time to get there. And your message about that has been a long, you know, you've been sort years of of it. doing this a really long time. Yeah. So just talk to me about some of the kind of highs and lows, some of the sort of audience reception that you would get mm. at that time, how you would feel yourself within that environment. Well... Do you know what? I was so lucky that Sarah Leon was such a big champion of body positivity and really helped me find my feet within it um, and really encouraged me to do interviews at a young age and talk about the fact that I didn't want to conform. And I remember when I chose to leave school um, when I was 17 to model, it was really a case of, do you know what? If I can make even one woman feel good about having yeah. a real woman's body, then... I can I can leave school. I can do this mm -hmm. because then I I have a purpose within the fashion industry mm -hmm. and it did feel so small the margin for for bodies at that point and but not even that you were sort of a sort of plus size. I was still size I mean, eight. I was, mean, I was I mean, even maybe a six at, so, at I mean, some point. Tiny. And I was still I mean, it's tiny. not sort of like, and you know, I worked with Ashley Graham, but, you know, Ashley's a, a different is, sort yeah, of part of the story. Curvy. Yeah, you know. of course. And, and gorgeous. Oh, my God, she's so dropped Staggeringly beautiful. Oh, ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but back then, I yeah, I was still tiny. I just had hips and a, bit, and a bottom and, and breasts and I had an hourglass shape to me. And at times it was really difficult and doing shows I often felt 
just ginormous in comparison and in ginormous in comparison to the other girls that were being cast the, the other girls that were being cast yeah. who were teeny weeny and all size zero and all new faces and bless them you know they were all so angry because they needed to eat and <laughs> they, really, they were just I mean, hungry they were just really hungry and and I always used to compare myself and actually it got to a point where I was like actually I'm really proud. So, you know, I kept having to come back to this mm -hmm, is why I'm doing mm -hmm, this. Mm -hmm. And it 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 was tough. It was really tough. And who were you getting the support through um at that time? Like friends, parents. Yeah, but no one else could really understand. You know, and, and yes, but even still I think because modelling was my my job everyone felt the need to chime in to say like, oh, you know, do you think you should lose some weight or do you think you shouldn't eat that? And I always, it would get to show season and, you know, I was living in New York and I just always end up baking. I was always like, <laughs> actually, shows are coming up. I'm going to start baking loads of cakes and just rebel. And, you know, and I still... There is walk... the rebel in you, Daisy. It's terrible, honestly. I always shoot myself in the foot. But then I'd walk for, you know, like Anna Sui in, in New York and I still got to do what I set out to do I just maybe gave myself a bit more of a headache on the way um what about the sort of media in regards to that kind of conversation in your profile there and what you know stepping out meant to the British press or you know how you felt sort of represented well I made a deal with myself at 19 that unless it was a that kind of sit down interview that I wouldn't read any press about me because wow. whether it was good or bad, it would either inflate or deflate my ego. And either way, I didn't want to play into it. At that. 19? Yeah. That's amazing. Well, I think it was it was really necessary. Yeah, but also, like, you know, you were so often in the press, and you still are, but you know, at that time there was a real was a, was solid a time. It was just, like, non-stop. Yeah. All the red tops, and it was just relentless. Mm -hmm. And, like, the fact that you weren't a tiny bit curious... No, or... I, 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 I think from 17 to 19, I was. And then I was like, what am I doing? It's mm. not great for my head. Mental health. Yeah. yeah. And actually, we didn't even talk about mental health, really, back then. Mm. And so it was just, I'm driving myself mad. And and so I was. I'm so pleased that I did that then and the only times that I'd really learn about things was when my grandma would say and I'd like, stop <laughs> telling me I just don't want to know, you know? avidly reading yeah all exactly of google alerts oh my goodness they were the bane of my life I had to ban those at some point as well uh, <laughs> that's so funny photographers like Terry Richardson and mm. sort of people you've worked with as well like yeah. massive global icons mm. talk to me a little bit about some of that theatre so working with Terry you know god he I always found it so interesting that everyone just wanted to take their clothes off in front of him. Um, but he was always really kind of considered with me. And I don't, I think having the kind of gutsy Camden background that I did, I was always way, way too outspoken to be messed with. Yeah, right. <laughs> and that held you in good stead. I and I think it really, it did. I'm really, really And also lucky. coming from a family that really understood the landscape the industry. and that actually would be saying to you, just, you know, be wary or, you know, speak your mind, don't do anything you feel uncomfortable with. Yeah. You know. And my mum was such an incredible force in just keeping me really grounded. It's like, don't get too big for your boots. Don't think that you're curing cancer. You are just selling clothes, you know? And it was really really important I think at the time I was like oh but I'm doing really well and it was like no thank goodness she was there kind of as my Can guardian a, angel yeah she is a guardian angel yeah really and and actually it meant that I 
as you said, it was like, you know, don't mess with me. I'm I'm going to be outspoken and don't you dare put your hands on me. And, yeah. yeah. You know, and important at that time. Really important because now we're looking back and going, oh, actually, that was really off. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah I wasn't yeah. without my scrapes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you lived to tell the tale. Yeah, exactly. Whether they did or not is another thing. <laughs> yeah. So the, the other thing as well is that kind of sort of move on from profile and then social media and then that having that voice oh, because then you, I guess then you're kind of not just selling clothes that actually your audience, be it global that it is and sort of, you know, so many different territories, just the way that you talk about body positivity, mental health, you know, self-love, you know, it's not that your audience is just about selling product. Anymore. No, of course not. It's like my, my job has a completely different landscape. Yeah. So um, when did that all start to sort of realise that that was part of your offering, that actually, you know, you'd have this cracking kind of career in modelling, you know, you'd worked with the biggest sort of names and the photographers and the editorial magazine titles, all of the different designers and stuff. And then you're realising that actually there's this thing called social media and you've got an audience who are having a two-way conversation with yeah, you. Yeah, it is the, the best and the worst it's the greatest. It's the greatest tool, and I love that I can connect to people that genuinely I, I make them feel things, and that's extraordinary. And on the most part, that ninety nine percent of my interactions on social media are positive, and that's wonderful. And I think Good. particularly since having a baby, it's been amazing to talk to women through it. It's, it's been very helpful, you know, little yeah. tips. I mean, particularly with this heat wave. Oh my goodness, the amount of women that were really helpful when I put up one thing about it being really hot and this influx of wonderful mums. Um, yeah, really helpful. I think particularly through the pandemic was when I really it's like, oh my goodness, this kind of, this social media thing was so helpful. And do you know your audience? And I mean that in a way of like, you know, obviously you're having this sort of, you know, direct conversation on occasions or, or however it works. But do, who would you say is your typical kind of Daisy Low follower? Or is there not one? I don't think there... I mean, it's probably it's, a good divvy up of boys and girls. It is a good divvy up, but it's been funny. Um, yesterday, um, lovely Emily, my wonderful manager, um, asked me to look at my insights. And in the past three months since giving birth, my insights were kind of 30% men and 70% women. And now right. it's like 15% men right. and... 85% women right. now and I was like oh nice got my got my ladies you know <laughs> hi ladies hi ladies how are you doing uh, I was like oh yeah I suppose men don't really want to you know it's, it's not I'm not talk really... about sore nipples or... yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> just so that's shifted um and and alongside it I suppose my style has had to too <laughs> quite right so going on to the style journey when we're looking back and we have that joy of reflection and we're looking at different decades etc you know when do you sort of recall or dial up a moment that actually, whether it was a red carpet, you know, you'd obviously had stylists involved and, mm. you know, you'd, there'd been a lot of consideration about what that look would be. When do you when do you think, like, that's when everything came together? I was really proud of that moment. 2008 or 2009 British Fashion Awards and I was nominated as Best Model. George May Jagger won it, which I was actually delighted about because she much more deserved it gorgeous girl that she is she's gorgeous um and um i wore a westwood archive black dress that was it was it just felt like me and it and i just had a red lip and my hair down and i just rather than all of the kind of fluffing and preening it just felt 
natural and I felt like myself and I went along and I had a really wonderful time. Great. Oh, I love that. So you don't feel that you were sort of styled within an inch of your life that actually there was Daisy yeah. there for the party. Exactly. Yeah. And and I just, and I remember the dress was comfortable and I'm such a comfort queen and it just, <laughs> I have to feel comfortable in what I wear otherwise. Well, it makes a difference, doesn't it? Because yeah. obviously the clothes are not wearing you then and actually you're kind of actually engaging and feeling, you know, feeling like, like I can have a conversation and I'm not thinking, oh God, I'm trussed up like a, you know, battery chicken in this. Um, and, Pinned yeah, over the side and exactly. not able to breathe. Um, we have a sort of theme of sustainability mm, at Ascot and I think it's a really nice time to sort of explore these sporting events within the global calendar and sort of start to you know consider pre-loved and mm. rental yeah. and vintage and I know you're such an advocate for all of that so what does sustainability mean to Daisy Lowe? I think it, sustainability to me means actually really taking the time it's actually about mm. being slow mm. and the consideration mm -hmm. and I've noticed it so much more as becoming a mum I've bought so much kind of pre-loved bits for mm, Ivy mm. and that makes me so happy that mm. I know it's not going to landfill mm -hmm. um, and it really is sustainability is all about just the thought taking the time to really yeah you no, agree, agree. Eh? Um, that taking the time to think where does this really come from and where is this going mm -hmm. and is this biodegradable mm -hmm. will this then go back into the earth and it's so easy when you take the time to then do a little bit of research to figure it out and you know we're so lucky now there is such a wealth of information at our fingertips to just figure it out and, and do it properly and mindfully, mindfully, and, re yeah. mindfully and care about the planet mm -hmm. because you know the planet actually will always sort itself out. It's just whether we, we wipe we might ourselves not be here. out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and I'd quite like Ivy to have lots of future generations. And and that's it because you know, as we know, fashion is an incredibly polluting industry. And but it doesn't have to be. Yeah. And and actually, there are so many brands that use biodegradable materials, mm -hmm. and you want to make sure that obviously all of the fabric is coming and being farmed from sustainable sources and that the workers are being treated properly and humanely. And, you know, it's, it, again, it just comes back to thought and consideration. Thought and consideration. Mm. And vintage. vintage. Obviously, we it's love. a big part of your life. I, you know, regularly have breakfast with your lovely mum and she sort of rocks in in her amazing, either it's her own pieces yeah. or it's vintage pieces. Yeah. And I mean, every day after her swim that she still just seems to do most mornings with the <laughs> yeah. eyelashes still on, oh, yeah. I'm just Fabulous. like, you look ready for a photo shoot immediately every morning. I don't yeah. know how she does it. But, no, but anyway, <laughs> it's this sort of intrinsic kind of, you know, DNA that you would have of like, understanding vintage so talk to me a bit about that vintage part of your life well the life. vintage part of my life I mean obviously it's been heavily ingrained since I was zero uh, but it's all about what works for my shape or your shape right that's what I was always taught I remember my mum always saying don't don't buy into trends it's always about what suits your shape and mm, that good was advice. the best advice I could have been given growing up and it is just about what suits your shape and I, I think a, a really brilliant vintage ship is always how does it feel in your in your hands you know you don't want to be going and sweating loads in something um, <laughs> no no one wants no. to be boring with sweat stinking <laughs> um but vintage for me how it shaped 
my love of fashion was always 30s, 40s, 50s and 70s. Yeah, yeah, 60s yeah. unfortunately just didn't work for me that shift shape was just with my hips and my boobs it was just not a good look not going to work but the no, 70s those... 70s yes. fabulous but but really the 70s was the 30s reimagined you know 30s was always my favourite and actually I did always have a really brilliant collection of 30s dresses they're in storage somewhere really um, at the moment what does your wardrobe look like I mean obviously it's changing so much well, but like what does if I go and spend a little half an hour in Daisy's wardrobe what am I have a lot of fun oh yeah I mean okay. I think it's I think it's I've just collected pieces throughout the years either it, a lot a lot from wonderful Stephen at Relic yes um, oh my he, gosh wonderful man uh, that's a lot of vintage even the Westwood. word relic gets me quite skinny yeah oh yeah, yeah. for sure uh, and um, when I first started earning money I would always go down to World's End and buy Westwood pieces and Westwood show pieces and I've got a, a few really wild things from back in the day from Viv and you know things off of jobs I think through my wardrobe there's so much colour and sparkle and I'm so OCD. I have been diagnosed with it because it is severe. It's <laughs> <laughs> a so, natural diagnosis. It's actually like, you know, and so my loved ones do call me OC Daisy. And, um, <laughs> and it works. But, so everything is in its section. Oh, is it really? Oh, yeah. Everything has a section and then it's colour coordinated. That would really, I'd really section. like that. That would really work for me. Yeah. Sort of like sort my head out. Oh, yeah. And, and I have to. And it's so cathartic doing it and sorting it. Um, but, you know, of course, I've got like loads of flowy dresses, but I, I love. I love a good suit. I love a good high-waisted um, wide leg number. Um, and lots and, of and I'm interested on that. So the, the tailoring side of things, love you know, because it's sort of for girls, it's like a really nice time for tailoring for mm. women. And we're seeing that quite a bit at Royal Ascot, where from a sort of, you know, dress code perspective, some of the girls are turning up in sort of top hat and tails. Fabulous. But like really super yeah. sharp tailoring and just look absolutely knockout. Yeah. But I think that's, and again, on the way here, I was thinking all about Ascot and how it's just the epitome of being British and a bit eccentric. Yes. And the eccentricity, and yeah. the, eccentricity the playfulness. is so important. Yeah. And I love seeing all of that fashion. And I'm so grateful that we can now show off the tailoring. But for me, it was Yves Saint Laurent, you know, and looking back at his days at Dior and when he set up his own label yes. and all of that tailoring, because before then, it didn't exist for women and how powerful that we can wear suits too. Absolutely. I mean, have our place at the table and just deliver all the sort of amazing tailoring. So just in regards to Somerset as well and mm. the sort of your time all spent the there and then your wardrobe that would lend itself to all the sort of mm. festivals and the kind of my bohemian yeah. sort of way of life that we enjoy in Lots the Lots of the flowy Shire. florals. Flowy florals for Somerset. And I always, you know, obviously being throughout pregnancy, it was very different um, and I just wore a lot of all-in-ones so it was just easier Ivy was quite a fussy baby in my tummy and if I had seams on she was furious really yeah she'd like kick as we've discussed, she's very willful. She's very willful. She's <laughs> Where does a that feisty come from? little Aries baby um, and full moon baby. And, and yes, so she would... I actually have a pair of leggings from a wonderful sustainable brand that she would kick the seams so they split. What? Yeah. She was powerful. Wow. Yeah. Really. That is willful. Really. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So festivals and stuff, like, mm. you know, do you kind of, obviously grown up around that, I mean, mm -hmm. obviously Danny's, you know, doing gigs often and that would be kind of that music set yeah. that you would hang out with. So what's your kind of disciplines from a star perspective for the summer? Well, 
I think what I've learnt, which I'm sure Jordan would beg to differ, is um, that less the is less, more. less is more. And and it's a really tough one to try and go, I'm not going to wear that, just pull it out. I'm not going to wear that, just pull it out. Um, but I think with another thing that we always say for festivals, you always want, again, to feel comfortable and things that you feel confident in, but you want a bit of flair. You've got to have a bit of flair, something that's sparkly or a feather or something, you know, something to be playful with, a good neck scarf. Um, Quite right. um, And that will get you through. And I am a big fan of an outfit change uh, for the evening. You've got to do a day look and a night look. Absolutely. uh, Just extra sparkle for the evening. Yeah. And also maybe something a bit warm, but warm and fabulous. Warm and sparkly or warm warm and and fluffy. I love that. Yeah, it has to be at a festival. Um, And then to to Royal Ascot, have you done Royal Ascot before? I have. I've always wanted to go, but I've never been. I think this year might be a little, sadly, a bit tricky with this one. With the small fry. Yeah. But maybe next year. Maybe we can next do that. year. I would so love to. I've got some quick fire questions Please. for you. So we're just going to fire those off. Um, leather or lace? Oh, that's so hard. It can is I a really hard both? one. No, you can't. If okay, you well, think... now it's the summer, I think lace. Okay. But like, do you enjoy wearing leather? I now enjoy wearing vegan leather. Of course you do. Yeah. Uh, I think I know the answer to this, but mini dress or floaty bohemian? Floaty bohemian. Yes. Because I think my sister now would say, it's too short for you. (laughs) (laughs) Betty, Betty. surely not. Yeah, Yeah. I think it's because she wants all my mini dresses. Yeah, exactly. She'll hand those on to her. (laughs) Uh, Heels or trainers? Trainers. Great. City break or beach break? Ooh, beach break. I'm gagging for a beach break. Yeah. Has that got? Have you got that planned? Um, we summer's coming. We uh, at the end of summer, so that she's just as big as possible. At the end of summer, we'll just go to Italy and have a beach break. Quite right. Attend the party or host the party, Daisy? Oh, I'd rather attend the party, I think. I did used to love hosting, but it's all a bit too much. I'd rather just go and enjoy myself. Yeah, quite yeah. right. I was quite not busy now with a baby yeah. who'd be hosting parties. But you love to bake and you love, love to, to cook love for friends cook. you love and all of that stuff. I was reading that earlier, yeah. just that so you bring in your, your, your posse and That's have That's a... the one. It's usually loads of lost boys. There's a yeah. race of trays. Like, yeah, I'll cook for you and I'll cook for you too. Let's going to go and get a meal at Daisy's table. Yeah. Uh, and I know the answer to this as well, but mocktail or cocktail? Now it's a mocktail, but I am so excited to have a cocktail, particularly as my bestest friend in the world is the most incredible mixologist, wonderful Portia, Portia Freeman, Portia's happy hour. And she makes the best cocktails and mocktails, but I am so desperate. She just made a frozen porn star martini that looks out of control good. And I was (laughs) looking at it going... I can't, I'm not at that stage where I'm willing to pump and dump yet because it feels like breast milk is so precious. So precious. So precious that I just can't do the porn star martini yet, but soon. It's there <laughs> waiting for you, darling. So when you look at the future of fashion, mm-hmm. you're like, you know, it's a, it's in a complex landscape, as we know, and obviously we've mm-hmm. discussed sustainability, but just, you know, I think, we, you know, what dis, what now defines style or luxury I think it's all about the provenance it's about like as you say where that product's come from Mm. you know rather than now kind of turning up in a sort of key designer piece it's like well where was this piece before who's loved Mm. it before what life has it had Mm -hmm. what was that investment doing to reward the environment like all of that kind of stuff so if we're looking at the kind of next 
decade, I guess. You know, it's interesting from a younger audience perspective where there's a bit of zero tolerance. Mm. They don't want new. No. They don't want fast fashion. Nope. They're like absolutely heavily embedded in the sort of charity them. sector and they yeah. know it's on their watch. They've got yeah. a lot of cleaning up to do. So what are your thoughts around, and, and Ivy's thoughts? I've, Ivy's she's got having, some thoughts. She's, she's, she's just like, I'll chip in here. She's like, I've exactly. got this one, Mum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I just think that there is... It feels like such a heavy burden to bear because it's like we've inherited this problem. It's not, and particularly for the younger generation, it's not their fault. Mm -hmm. um, but again, it comes back to if we just think about it and all get involved together, it is possible. You know, it's totally, we're at that tipping point where as long as all of us really invest within the realms of taking care of the planet, then we can do it. Right. We can do it. Yeah. Yeah. And in, and connected and sort of a power, you know, that we all have this all agreed mm. sort of vision of what the future needs to look like Completely. and actually empower each other. Exactly. Strength in numbers. And, and actually, I think that is the, one of the greatest things about social media is mm -hmm. that we can really all come together on it and really mm -hmm. spread messages within all of our platforms to then really make a proper change. You speak quite a lot about feeling um, that, you know, in the past, maybe you haven't felt so present and it's something you really work hard at now mm. to feel in the moment. Mm -hmm. What would you say is happening with that now, obviously being a mother? Being a mum. Well, it's just very interesting because if I'm not present and I'm stressing about what's going on in the future or something that's happened prior, she will feel it and she will tense up. And it's wild having such a strong kind of indicator mm -hmm. because then I it makes me and I'm like oh god I just need to take a breath you know I just need and and I'm so please I think for a very long time I've known presence is very important but you now yes now I have to be I have to be present for you and it's the best because she's so tiny and she's not going to be this tiny you know she's she needs, already grown she just so needs much. you yeah. yeah, and I have to be present and to you have do to be a good job. Yeah. Daisy Lowe, describe your style in three words. Oh, my goodness, Scott. How the hell am I going to do that? Um, okay, uh, style in three words. I think it would have to be... I feel like comfortable keeps coming back into my <laughs> brain, which is terrible. I think, no, I'm going to take out comfortable and I'm going to replace it with functional because of my <laughs> mum life. Functional. Um, and I, even throughout pregnancy and motherhood and like I still want to be a bit sexy yeah still want to be sexy sexy Come and functional on, you could definitely use the word sexy okay, in okay, your style you. like, okay so sexy and functional yeah is, don't, like, oxymoron <laughs> they wouldn't necessarily be on the same sentence but yeah sexy well, we're and functional it, sexy we're going for it functional um and and feminine but yes. actually no I'm not always feminine I like to dress up like a tomboy too okay what's my third word oh my goodness um I think fluidity yes. I would go for Nice. Yeah. Good. Fluidity, sexy and functional. functional. <laughs> like, the two did, did you ever think in 2012 that that would be my... <laughs> Here we are in 2023. <laughs> Daisy Lowe, thank you so much for joining us here on Personal Threads with your beautiful daughter, 
Ivy Love. You're a wonderful British export. And thank you so much for all the confidence and body positivity messages that you give to so many people around the world. Thank you so much. No, thank you. You're wonderful. It's so wonderful to get to talk to you. It's such a joy. Um, and it's been such and, a pleasure. And, and so lovely to have Ivy Love with us as well. Yeah, bless her. Got two there two in the of price us. of one. Two for one. Thank two for one. Thank you, darling. <laughs>